when India opened back up and our offices opened back up, I said, listen, for you ladies, if you want to stay at home and continue to work at home in this capacity doing these particular functions, we only need the audit and the tax team back in the office for security reasons. You can do that if you'd like. To a person, to a woman. They said, no, we want back in the office. And that's when I asked them, I said, why? And they said, because here we have a voice. Here we can be what we want to be. Here we can be what we think we should be. Welcome to a special interview episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. We are live at Accounting Web in San Diego. Enjoying the weather. Yes. And we figure we should have somebody that is from San Diego. Is from San Diego <laughs> on the podcast. No. Uh, our guest today is uh, Penny Breslin. Penny Breslin is the CEO of Money Penny LLC. And I've known Penny a very long time. And I think I met Penny at a bar when I was at Intuit. Words came out of her mouth that will not be on this podcast. I really and, and I totally, and, and ever since then, I've really uh, got to know Penny and what she does in her practice. And I'll let her tell us more about it. But I just, and I've always felt like, oh, one day we'll have Penny on the show. And here we are, Penny. Penny sends us feedback. She's always texting me or sending me emails, Blake. Sometimes you might not see them about something we said on the show. So oh, she's a listener you gotta, as well. You got to loop listener. me in on these. That's yes. awesome. Well, I, it's a good show. I like a lot. I learn a lot from what you guys say. And since we're doing introductions, I am Blake Oliver. Oh, and I'm David Leary. Sorry. In case somebody's just listened to this episode only. For the first time, yeah. yeah. And, and Penny. I'm Penny. Penny Breslin. Just Penny is fine. Just Penny. And yeah. the name of your firm is? Money Penny. Money LLC. Penny. Love it. It's good brandy. Yeah. So, so what's your journey? Like, how'd you get here? I mean, we're sitting here in San Diego at this conference. I've seen you at conferences before, but I also, my experience or knowledge is you've been in this game a lot longer than most people. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that age bracket out. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, it's okay, dude. I'm not uh, discouraged by my age. I've earned every gray hair I cover. This was an accident. It was an absolute accident. I was a high school history teacher. We moved to a new state where I didn't have my certification. Um, my husband at the time needed a bookkeeper because he couldn't keep them. Can you understand why? That's why I'm not married. No. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, we were using something called Peachtree. I didn't know anything about it. Um, like I said, I was a history teacher, right? And the system, when you integrate it, blew up. And it blew up for everybody. So his CPA gave him a, this program called QuickBooks. It was 1994. There was no manual. And I didn't know what the flip I was doing. And at the end of the year, he came in screaming at me going, I have this huge bill for my CPA because he had to fix everything you did. And I went, okay. There was a community college about two blocks from my house. Went to college, took a six-week bookkeeping class and came back and went, oh, now I get it. But I understood the technology. That was the easy part. The hard part was what's a chart of accounts? You know? So after a couple months, he's looking, he goes, how'd you do that? And I went, well, I just figured it out. And he was marketing to accountants. We had this meeting. There were about 50 accountants in the room. It was down in Colorado Springs. I mean, my kids were little. We were putting the manuals together on the floor of the hotel and everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm running this conference for him because I've got nothing else to do. I've got three kids. I haven't got my certificate to teach in the state yet, so I might as well do this for him. And he goes, just do this one thing. And then you can go back and you can get your master's degree in economics and geography and history. And I went, yes, okay, I just do this one job. Standing in the back of the room, and he said, so have you guys heard about this program called QuickBooks? And this is 1994. And the room blew up. They were angry. They were pissed. And they said, they why? Because QuickBooks was going to kill their write-up business. 
And he comes back and he's, he's going, what the hell are we going to do now? And I said, well, think about it. I screwed up QuickBooks really bad. We own a business. We need help. How come my, your CPA didn't teach me how to use it? And he just looked at me and went, I'll be right back. And he went up on the stage and he started talking about, don't make Intuit your enemy. Join the team. And he changed the whole, I mean, we just took those manuals and we threw them out the door. <laughs> we weren't going to use any of that. And went back and we wrote a training manual for CPAs on how to work with their clients to teach them the things that I needed to know as a business owner. Because I was working on the business. I just had a conversation with a, a gentleman that I know that I just put into a tech stack. He uh, just retired. The day he retired, the city manager that where he retired from came walking into his office and said, so when are you going to come back on as a consultant? He goes, give me 30 days. <laughs> and so he came up to me and he goes, okay, I've got to start a business and I haven't owned a business for 19 years since I've been working for the government. What do I do? And I said, okay, you've got to start, establish uh, an entity. We'll put them in Zen business. We happen to be doing the back office work for Zen business. So I, that's why I recommended them. I said, okay, we're going to get you something simple because you uh, don't want to do all the detail work. That's not your forte. And uh, so we put him in relay fire and we put him in zero. He's like four days into this and he goes, I don't have to do anything. It does it, everything. He called me, he goes, the, the money's in the bank already and, and it, it matches to the transaction. He goes, when did all this happen? I said, well, in the 19 years you've been working for a government agency, this stuff's been going on. But it made a difference in his life. He said, if I had had this when I had my first business, he goes, I started in business and I knew because I had a degree in business, I knew that I needed to pay attention to my ratios. I needed that. And I did for about five months. Then I got busy running my business. And he goes, I needed somebody to tell me what my numbers are. And he goes, now I can because they can have complete access to it because I have because I set him up. I have complete access. I can see everything that's going on in his company. And I can call him and I can tell him something. Hey, look, you got to watch out for this. I can have a relationship with him and I'm not dealing with the numbers. I'm not typing anything in. I am just the traffic cop and I am the person who is helping him figure out what's the next step and where he needs to go next in his business. I'm the consultant. And so you identified this need for accounts to provide bookkeeping services per se. Yeah, because I screwed and, up and, my and company. Because, and you had this big aha moment. So now you're in the business of training accountants and bookkeepers. Mm -hmm. So then what's kind of that next aha moment where you discovered and you kind of launched another business? Um, the outsourcing. Right? The outsourcing. Yeah, that's when uh, we got an email from a gentleman in Bangalore asking us if we would come to India and run a training class on QuickBooks. My partner at the time Probably said, what year was this? This would have been 2002. And uh, my partner said, I'm not going to India. And I went, yeah, sure, I'll go. I had a, a daughter that uh, had uh, needed to get away for a while. So I just said, okay, get on the plane with me. I got her a visa. Let's go. And uh, we landed in Bangalore at 1 o'clock in the morning. There we are, this little redhead in myself. And this cloud of people that she's like got eyes like sauces. This is 2002 in India. In the meantime, I'm, I'm teaching I'm sitting in front of a room of about 50 chartered accountants. And there were some kind of cultural changes. Like every time I'd ask them to get that and they're going in, I'm going, okay, let me reword this. And I, like after about a, four hours, I'm going, you're not saying no. You're going, yeah, 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 tick, tick. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I got it. Okay. So that, that was, that was kind of hard. But 
I'd walk down into the meeting room like one night and I had to pick up something and it was really late and they were still working. They were huddled together. They were talking to each other and they were fascinated by what they were learning. And I tended to put stories in everything I train. So they were hearing the stories of the businesses. So I called on my partner and I'm going, dude, all of our clients who are accountants are having a hard time finding people to do all the work that has to be done. And remember, this was still heavy data entry back then. And this is still 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, how about if we just use these folks? I said, you know, we've already got hosted because we had already in- introduced hosted QuickBooks in 1999. And I said, we've already got it in the cloud. We've just got to figure out a way to make it secure and safe and, and all that. And I said, that's just the technology part. That's the part we can figure out. I said, you can sell the clients. I'll manage this team. Can I stay in India for a couple of months? He goes, yep, sure. Next thing you know, we had an outsourcing company. So you've been doing that for two decades now. You must know all of the pitfalls. Somebody asked me that the other day. They said, they said, what did you learn? I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I am trying to get rid of the ugly desperately. And I think we have with this company. And the bad is something that you have to work on together. Uh, it takes both sides of the pond to figure that one out. Um, but the good, when it happens, is brilliant. I have good people working for me. So I want to hear more about that, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this, because so many firms are struggling to hire, retain talent. seems like offshoring, outsourcing is the only solution. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think there's this uh, term called positional talent. You've got people here that do want to work, and this generation does want to work. But they, and, and I don't think just... The millennials, the Gen Zs, I think definitely us boomers also have learned the value of life in the last two years, I hope. And the ability to take on cloud accounting apps has certainly increased. I'm sure you guys have seen that. The demand for it, the questioning of it, the interest in it has gone up. We've already learned that we don't need to all be in the same room to get something done. So it comes down to the systems that you're using. If you're using technology and you just threw it on top of a system that already existed that was primarily paper-orientated or even just crisis-orientated like most businesses, the technology is going to screw up. It's just going to be totally effed. And you're going to try it, and then you're going to go, oh, that didn't work, and you're going to throw it away, and you're going to walk away from it, and that's a sad thing. What I find I have to do when we do successful outsourcing endeavor is go in and say, okay, we're going to take what you do right now, and we have to tear that system apart because we're putting a new element in there, and that element is going to affect everything else in the system. Just so, ma'am, hear you correctly. So you, I'm a CPA firm. I'm going to do some outsourcing stuff. I can't just be like, oh, it's just some labor, and I'll just give them the same jobs I have currently going on. When you move to using an outsource-type labor model, you have to really reinvent your whole stack. Everything you're doing yes. is different. Yeah, the people are different. The, the technology you're using to communicate with them and facilitate with them is different. And the end result you want to get is you want to get a clean, clear set of whatever the task was. You want it to be done clearly, succinctly, and you don't want to have to go back and forth on it because that's a waste of time. You have to look at how is work being done now and what are the bottlenecks? Well, one of the bottlenecks is you don't have enough humans, so we're fulfilling that. But why don't you have enough humans, really? Come on. Have you just stepped outside your office and take a, take just get out of your own head and then walk back into your office with the eyes of a 25-year-old kid who just graduated from college and tell me why that kid wants to work for you 
rather than that tech firm down the street who's looking for somebody who probably got an accounting degree and they could use the data analytics of that kid. And that kid could say, hey, I'm going to work eight to five. I'm going to have all these benefits. It's going to be great. They have a rumpus room. I can hang out in the back. No, I'm going to go to you, Mr. Accountant or Mrs. Accountant, and I'm going to go walk into your office with your antiquated computers, your old servers, and you're going to tell me that, oh, yeah, four months out of the year, you're going to work 14-hour days, and you're not going to get paid any more for it. And all I am is a big billable hour sign in front of you going, how many billable hours? How many billable hours? Yeah, I'm going to take the job with the data analytics company. That's why you're having a hard time hiring. And I think that that's an issue because the talent is out there. You still have to have data entry people. You still, to this day, I mean, that's not going to go away. You still need traffic cops. All your apps out there, they're brilliant. But when you stack them all in a tech stack and they all start playing together at the same time, guess what happens? Gabajing, gabajing. So somebody has to be there rolling that traffic cop flow. And that's what my team does. We do a lot of trafficking of good things, not bad things. <laughs> and we decide where the transactions go. But every business gets to do whatever they want with their money whenever they want. Tax returns are compliance driven. The government defines when they're done and how they're done. There's no, the brain work is in knowing where to put a deduction. Uh, how to work that tax return to the benefit of the business owner or the person. Audits, very defined on what you have to do. Bookkeeping, not so much. Because whoever is spending the money gets to spend it any way they want. And you have to guess what they did with it to make it look good enough to do all the other stuff that you want to do. That's so, very black and white. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, right. Exactly. So we need to have defined understanding of each client. We're outsourcing with you. You're outsourcing to us. We ask you, what does the client do? What's the business? Tell us about the business. I just onboarded a new firm this morning at 5 o'clock this morning, sitting on the deck out here outside my room. And we talked for about a month on what she needed to do. And she opened up her practice manager. She uses QBO. And she goes, here, here are all the clients. Okay, so here I wrote a definition of what the business was. I wrote all the things I do for it. And then I wrote the process and procedures that I am currently using in order to accomplish every bit of that. And please give me feedback if I need to change it to adapt to you doing it. So how does your model work? I imagine you have, obviously, this team in India, and you have to have some controls and process and constraints and mm -hmm. how you handle clients and move that data around. Like, Give us a picture of what that looks like. Okay, so right. first of all, we're a fully female-owned and operated BPO. We're the only one. I didn't realize that. They proved it. Yeah, we are the only one in India. And they work in teams. We always work under the assumption that anybody can get hit by a bus on any given day. So a supervisor learns what the accounting business, and I don't call them practices or firms, they're a business to us. That business, we, that supervisor has two or three people that she works with, and then they learn the process. They then detail the process out on our server, which is hosted in the United States. And then they go back to the client, our accounting customer, and say, this is what we believe you have told us to do in this way. And then they redefine it going, yeah, no, that's not what we meant. Because sometimes, you know, when you're talking to somebody, what they're saying is not what you're really hearing. So, so you build a set of process yes. for a client yes. individually. In each of their clients. So there's... Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, you have your firm and then their There's their the businesses. firm's stuff... 
that we have to deal with, all the technologies that they use internally that we become a part of, and then there's the individual client that we're doing the work for. You can open up our server and you can click on the, the client business, the custody accounting business, and then there'll be subpages underneath that. Use one note for it. Underneath that is a detail of each individual customer of theirs that we work on. The nuance, some of them are the same. The standardization is really good. We try to standardize as much as possible, but then the individual nuances that, and then when we run into those nuances even more so, we document that and then we give that back to the accounting firm saying, hey, listen, did you know that your client was doing this? How do you not have a hiring and staffing problem? Are people not quit jobs in India? Like- <laughs> uh, yeah, we do. Um, we don't tend to lose people for any reason other than they get married. I'm in South India. It's a very traditional area. And so we are about to lose somebody next month. She already has her replacement who's sitting next to her every day, who's another supervisor who will take over her job and then work with her team going forward and take over her f- companies that she works for. She's moving 20 kilometers away, and that's a little bit of a travel in Chennai for her to come to. But if, you know, they end up moving close back into Chennai, she can come back to work. In fact, the woman who is actually replacing her worked for two years for us, got married, moved away, because that's where her future husband's family was. And they just moved back to Chennai, and she asked if she could come back to work for us. Typically, that's how we lose people. I know what my sweet spot to uh, hire the type of person. We also have a daycare on site. So uh, because these girls, some of these girls were 21 when they came to work for us. And if they got married and had kids and they wanted to come back to work, we just thought we should have a daycare for them. And we have drivers. I understand the culture that they live in. I lived there. I had my own apartment in India. So I understand what they're dealing with from that perspective. What do you mean drivers? Uh, well, we don't want them on the transit system if they have to work late or if it's dark. So we always make sure that they, we have a private driver to take them home. Most firms, I think, this year are going to have, what, 40% turnover of labor. And you're telling me, like, basically nobody leaves, but then you start telling me what you're offering, like daycare, driver service. No, you know what? You know why they're there? You know what they tell me? They have a voice. When we had to go, when India shut down and did lockdowns, I thought I was out of business. Our largest firm, which has 10 seats with us, came and said, is there any way you can figure out how to do this part of the job? Not the taxes that we, you do, they say, you can, we no taxes. You won't be, but all the prep, everything and all the, the controllership work and all the QBO work, can you figure out how to do that and do that securely with them being at home? And I said, give me 48 hours. And we made a bunch of calls. We only had half our staff. We interviewed, we went into the homes, we interviewed, we see, see if they're safe, secure. We, we set our systems. We had our IT department bring over our systems to their home, set them up on private dongles so that when they access the internet, we access the internet IP to IP to my server in the United States and from there go out and do the work. So we had half the staff being able to work and it was a long haul. When India opened back up and our offices opened back up, I said, listen, for you ladies, if you want to stay at home and continue to work at home in this capacity doing these particular functions, we only need the audit and the tax team back in the office for security reasons. You can do that if you'd like to a person, to a woman. They said, no, we want back in the office. And that's when I asked them, I said, why? And they said, because here we have a voice. Here we can be what we want to be. Here we can be what we think we should be. 
And that's not a put down on the Indian culture or anything. It's just that with the lifestyle that they had to live in their position in their society, this is the one place. There's no phones. There's no Facebook. They're really locked down, and they are just a big, huge team that gets along and works well together. Sounds like a value any company would want to have right? yeah. for their employees. Exactly. Well, I'm not there, so I didn't do this. They did this themselves. Interesting. I just facilitate. That's all my job is to facilitate. So when you speak about facilitating, so a firm comes to you, I want to do outsource labor. Can you do that for me? You're like, yes. But it sounds like you're also kind of coming in and just coaching that firm itself. You're almost advising the firm. If they're open to it, yeah. If they're they're open to it. Some of them are, some of them aren't. It's up to them. We know the difficult ones. (laughs) There are favorite teams and favorite clients. But yeah, if they're open to it, if they ask for it, we help them. Because it's a change. It's a change for everybody. There's fear, uh, fear of the unknown, uh, fear of another culture. Once somebody said to me once, they were from the Southeast and with a heavy Southern accent said, I don't know if I can work with them. They have accents. And (laughs) I'm going, shit, man, I'm going to pack the cat. What do you think about that? (laughs) So we all have accents. It has to change. The respect level has to be there. That's huge. I make sure that that happens. I have the come to Krishna, come to Jesus meetings. I'm just the facilitator. These women do all the work. They're smart. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a bookkeeper. Uh, you don't, and they'll be the first ones to tell you, we don't want Penny doing any of this stuff. But I'll figure out how to make the flow work. Really way back in the beginning, when we first started, we were using meetings on GoToMeeting and then Zoom to connect every month to make us part of that accounting company's team. I tell them, I go, look, when you have your internal meetings and you're in your conference room, put a chair up and put their name on the chair because they get the CVs. They know who's working for them. They see the name of everybody who does work for them. They, they don't have to guess if there's somebody else doing the work. They know because the name will change. They can see that they're all in Slack. We, Slack, we use Slack because it's ubiquitous. No matter what system anybody else is on, everybody can use Slack. So they see the faces and they get to know the language and the, and the syntax and the way they write. So when you have your internal meetings and you're deciding who's doing what and how things are flowing, put us in there. And when I go into the office, because I do go to some of their offices, my, not me, my employees' teams' names and faces are up on their walls as part of their team. They're very proud of them. And some clients we've had, they've had the same people for six or seven years working for them in my office. I mean, they're intricately intertwined. And that's the way it should be. If there is a changeover in staff, we typically will have a 30 days notice at minimum that somebody is going to be married or if they're going to have to have maternity, they get six months maternity leave. Some of them come back. It's up to their (laughs) mother-in-laws. It's not up to us. But once a year we have a party and we always invite the parents and stuff in. So I try to be there for that. And uh, try to, like, encourage them to, if you're going to marry your daughter, please marry her to somebody right here. <laughs> it's one story I think uh, I think's amazing that you did during COVID is you obviously, I'm sure if I'm a firm on outsourcing to you, it's easy to forget there's humans on the other side. And I just expect service levels. So COVID happens, right? And now you can't have employees come back to work, can't get vaccinations. Like, how did you kind of get over that hump and hurdle? Well, like I said, we interviewed them and we looked to see if they had a private room in the home that they could work in and all that. Um, And then 
as soon as the vaccines were available in India, you know, they said that they were doing them for free. And I saw the lines in the news and thinking, God, you go in and stand in a line that long, you're going to get COVID if you don't have it. So I called them and I said, this is about, we're having a like midnight meeting and I'm sitting in my dining room table. And I said, if you go to a private hospital, are the vaccines available there? And they said, yeah. They said, but that costs money. I said, how much? I said, okay. And all the families too. Because it's the grandparents, because they live in multi-generational homes, and I couldn't have them risk bringing it back to the houses. So we just paid for everybody to get it done. We did the families and the women. Before they came back to the office, they had to prove that they had their vaccine card and that they got it. And then they were able to come back and work in the office again. It's like the opposite of the firms here that decided to bring everyone back, and then they all got COVID. Um I'm not a medical doctor either, but I have three people in my family that happen to be in the profession, and one of them who worked at the CDC, and she warned me about everything was going to happen on January 20th of 2020 when I got home from Hong Kong, and I'd been through the gauntlet there, and I just called her, and I said, what would you do? And she told me, so I did it, because she's the professional in that, not me. You, you asked them, and that's how you found out, oh, I also need to help you vaccinate the rest of your family as well, because well, it's just, that's the environment, and like, it's, I think... Outsourcing has like a very like stereotypical bad experience. It's a labor farm, just somewhere else in the world. I don't have to. Think yeah, about I know. It. Like really I said, the good, the it. bad, and the ugly. Yeah, and you kind of humanized it. So speaking of the world, I know you have a podcast now oh, yeah. that you do with Damien Greathead, who was at one time at Receipt Bank, then Dex, then now I think he's part of QuickBooks Australia. Yes, he it's is. It's very great. It's hard to know for sure. He is. So the... tell us about the, this this podcast. Damien's the reason I'm in this damn business. It's his fault. Blame him. He asked me to write a book when I told him and Chris Fredrickson back in 2013 that I'm getting out of it and I'm going to go work on my cannabis product um, that I was making out of my kitchen. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, before you leave, write down everything you did to insource the work for accountants when you would do an outsourcing. And so I did, and they published it. And then I put on that two-day workshop in Santa Monica that was supposed to be 15 people and turned out to be 99 people. And so I called two women that I had worked with in India. And they had been working for another firm that we mutually, that I had trained them on in, back in the 2005 or six. And they said, we can't do this anymore. They're 14-hour days. We have kids now. We can't do it. The, you know, we're just being driven out. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to be doing this workshop. I'm obviously going to need help because this should have only been 15 people. You can't do a 99-person workshop. So come on over to the United States and see what happens. And they walked out of there with six outsourcing clients right off the bat. And so uh, that's how we got started. And Damien, when he went to Australia and got locked down there and ended up staying and getting a house and he and Sam had a baby that was really neat. And he said, let's just, he was hadn't figured out what he was going to do. He goes, let's just start a podcast. And I'm going, what? And he goes, well, take the book and let's do chapter by chapter. So that's how we started it, chapter by chapter. But there's only 10 chapters because there's only 10 steps. And outsourcing's the last one. So um, I'm like, what do we do now? And he goes, okay, let's talk about what happens in your day to day. So that's where we're at. Five minutes before we get ready to record, he goes, what happened today? This. Okay, let's, I'm going to ask you questions about that. Okay, all right. <laughs> Well, how can folks uh, subscribe? What's it called? Where do I find it? God, SC 
strategy <laughs> strategy in the virtual you know what better than virtual controller.co strategy and it's on uh, i know it's on spotify it's on all the stuff yeah it's on all, all the right. stuff we'll put the link in the show notes for anyone who wants to yeah listen. i know i'm sorry oh. I'm, I'm i'm not oh. the marketing person i you're the talent they do all no, the no i'm not the talent i'm the facilitator <laughs> my team is the talent they're the talent. I'm just the facilitator. And Damien, you know. talent on the podcast, though. I, no, ta- Damien keeps me in line because I'm squirrel. You know, I'm very squirrely. So, Penny Breslin, it's been wonderful talking to you. Where can people connect with you online? I got a Twitter thingy. Uh, I hate that shit. Um, I refuse Facebook. I'm sorry. I'm on LinkedIn. Penny Breslin on LinkedIn. Money Penny LLC. <laughs> and that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you.